Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode here of Side by Side. Myself, Steve Zakwadi, Keeney is here, and Brad Evans is here. We will be joined by head coach Brian Schmetzer a little bit later on in the show. Um, before we get to that and look forward to that, and also the Galaxy, there's a small matter of looking back slightly. There was the defeat in Utah last week in Salt Lake, but then an amazing high. What a rebound um, the team had at home to Club Leon, one of the top teams in Mexico, a team we saw last season in the League Cups final and got a very great win, a historic win, a win that sets the Sounders up very well for the second leg and barring an absolute catastrophe in Mexico, um, the team should advance. So we'll start in Salt Lake. I was on the TV with Casey and Keith doing the game, Keely, you in the building as well. Um, and I've never been a part of that. I think that kind of delay where it just kept adding and adding. And I think they said, Every time there's a lightning strike, it resets the clock by 30 minutes. And we kind of didn't really know what was happening with a holding pattern. So the highlight for us was Casey Keller running out to do the Krispy Kreme run. And he came back with 24 24 donuts. (laughs) Casey saved the day. So we had time to do that. We bantered a bit. But for the game itself, to be honest, I thought the first part before the delay was a decent-ish game. Like, you know, it looked like, ooh, both teams might give something here. In the end, it never ended up being a great game. And I think when they came back for that two minutes before the halftime and Salt Lake almost scored, they just looked more ready and more into it um, than, than I thought. And I think the subs didn't help. Normally, you bring on Christian Rodan, Jordan Morris. These are big changes. Um, it didn't look like those guys expected to play at that time in those circumstances. They were thrown off. And I think Salt Lake ran out deserved winners. Sounders had a few decent looks at goal, but ended up being one of those days. Um, put the team to 0-2, which I wouldn't have expected, but I think this was more a case of um, as a one-off, just got caught on the day. Um, I still don't see any reason to panic. Nashville, smash and grab. So late, two-hour weather delay, we lost the game. We've been playing CCL. So not too much to panic about, but curious as to you guys' thoughts on that particular game. Mm. I just thought it sucked that they had to stay out for halftime, like five minutes in halftime, they just stay outside in the rain, like – like you said, Steve, like that's not a recipe to win right there. I mean, I know it's equal opportunity, but it's still a road game. I just felt for them. Yeah, that was a bummer. Um, you know, the first two games really, I think are, um, you know, a series of unfortunate events. I thought Nashville, the Nashville game was higher quality, obviously due to the circumstances and really was, you know, the Sounders fell asleep on one play and got punished. Um, but they're, we talked about this weeks ago is are they going to focus on champions league? Should the team focus on champions league? And we said, you know, four weeks ago that this club will always go after trophies. Number one. Yeah. And you've seen that now with the choices to mix up the lineup in salt Lake in a really difficult place to play in crap conditions and still get out of there with a one, nothing loss is a bummer. But I think we'd be singing a different tune. If it was three, four, nothing in each game, then there's, time to worry, right? Um, the Sounders still aren't at full strength. So it, it's way too early to hit the panic button. And, you know, I, I read the forums and people are already complaining about this, that, and the other. And fair enough. 
Um, but you and I have been a part of it long enough to say that this season is far from over. And until you see this team at its at its best and not winning, that's when you become very concerned. Um, but I think there's some takeaways from that Salt Lake game that we should talk about, and that's leading into the to the Lyon game and the complete shift in attitude and the complete dominance. So there is a, a, a brighter light, um, but, you know, I'm sure Schmetz will say that the next focus is, you know, the next game, and that's at a really difficult place to play against a very good um, Galaxy team right now. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, that's a great point. I think, yeah, if the losses were lopsided, 2-0, 3-0 each game, the team's not playing well, probably more cause for concern. I, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't get that sense either. I think it's just two separate games that happen to fall short and for different reasons on each. Um, bounce back in an incredible way. Now, full confession, I didn't see the Leon game live. Um, I was traveling this week, but um, I followed enough and I've seen the highlights since. You know, assuming you guys watched it in real time. Um, two, I mean, could it have been five or six? Easily. Should have, Easily. It should have been six. Should yeah. have. Could have yep. been seven or eight. It, sh it should have been six, five or six, um, which would have really benefited the Sounders going into next week at Lyon. Um, and the ability to maybe start some starters, more starters at the Galaxy, um, you know, but three nothing is a good result. Um, but when I watched it, I mean, one of the more dominating performances, you know, we've seen in a long time from this team. And I think that the group needed that, uh, you know, heading into heading into this Galaxy game and then obviously coming off of two disappointing results and, and really just how they played and mostly just the mentality and decision-making uh, because you should be able to go into Salt Lake and sit back and absorb against that team and still keep the ball and, you know, get a couple off, you know, off chances, I guess, um, you know, so disappointing results, but, but a very good result um, at home. And, and you didn't watch it, but they were uh, half a yard away from, you know, scoring a touchdown. Is it, do you have genuine nerves about the second leg or is free nil out of reach? I said on Twitter at halftime that they needed two more to get it to four nil to really, you know, probably pump the brakes. I think you need four to go down there because, you know, <laughs> you cannot go down there and sleep because you will get destroyed down there. And three nil is a great advantage, but it is absolutely not something where you can just rest guys and go down there and think you're just going to knock the ball around. Because some, there is a beast that awakens in Mexico with these teams, right? I remember going down there against Club America, up one nothing in the first half, and then completely, a completely different team stepped on the field and absolutely destroyed us. And that's what you get when you go down there. At Tigres many years ago, got destroyed. Um, plenty of times we've gone down there and just gotten worked. So it, it's a great result. Yes, a nice cushion, but... It's going to be an absolute battle down there. How much rotation should it be this weekend with that game in mind? I thought, to be honest, and you know, we're going to speak to him shortly, I thought it went a bit too far in the Salt Lake game. I thought we, we changed a lot, the, the formation changed, and I felt, no, I don't see the issue with someone like Christian Rodin playing that game and playing on Tuesday. I think he'd have been fine. He was incredible, of course, on Tuesday as well. So I felt the rotation went a bit far. This Galaxy game is a big game. You don't want to go 0-3. I mean, that, you know, regardless of how good you are, you don't want to dig yourself that kind of hole early in the season. 
And so I'm curious, yeah, if you're Brian Schmitz, you're sitting in, in his seat right now, you're in his shoes. Of course, you know, we know Raul probably doesn't play either game, but Nico's minutes, JP's minutes, Christian's minutes, Jordan's minutes, um, Montero states his claim now. So I'm curious, the, the management of the squad, how should it look these next couple of games? Yeah, I mean, as long as JP is, you know, feeling good, I think he'll be honest. And if he's feeling good, I, I think you can play him at Galaxy and see how the first 60 minutes goes. Um, I, I just never like going to places and, you know, resting a bunch of guys and then putting them on for 30 minutes and chasing a game. Um, it, it just me mentality wise. And then, you know, it's like you're riding the assault bike and they say, give me 10 minutes of explosiveness and then you're wrecked for the next 15, 20. But you're playing in grass warm weather um you know so that's something to, to think about as well i think you can have i think you, can, you should start both center backs um starting center backs no reason to change a center back they should be able to play 50 games a season mm -hmm. um you know and then jp if he's able to manage his movement and let you know the partner next to him if it's obed again to, to just do all the dirty work and run around great um the real concern is nico is can he yeah. Can he get minutes? Is he able to get minutes this week? We don't know. Um, probably not. So we'll see. I, I think there'll be some rotation, but I wouldn't. I don't think Galaxy's a team where you can go. Galaxy's way better than Salt Lake. Yeah. Can't go down there with a second choice lineup and expect to get a result, I don't think. Yeah. Um, before we go on break and bring Schmitz in, I'm, I'm very slow, by, with a rule, very slow to anoint the next young player as this or that. Very slow. I mean, he's, I took two or three years of watching even Christian Rodon before I said, okay, he's, he's legit. You need to do it over a long time. Right? Anyone can come in, blow up. For, we've seen it so many times. You know, There's so many examples, even with the national team, guys who come in and it's exciting, but who's going to be there in three years, four years, five years? Obviously, Christian's done that. He's still there. Um, he's, you know, he's on his way to already an incredible career. We've seen Atencio, we've seen Leva, there's been excitement about them. And, you know, I said, give them time. With Vargas, I, I feel a little bit different. He has, a, he has, there's something special there. And with each game now, you're seeing him now, what he has that I think maybe Leva or Atencio don't have, is he has an ability to pick the ball up and go at guys and actually dribble and go at, and as a young player to start making those kinds of actions and, dribbling at the heart of a defense and his engine's good, his touch is very good. He seems to me to have something a little extra than some of the other young guys we've seen. Obviously, they want to do too much on him too soon. But, I mean, how impressive has he been to stay? He's 16 years old. And not only, you could look like you belong just by not making mistakes. I'm going to keep it simple. But he's now starting to take risks and he's just getting better and better. So one of the more impressive I've seen at his age to come through his club, of course, we don't know where he's going to lead, but um, he has to be at this point the highlight of the season. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is, you know, we've had Leva, we've had, you know, Atencio, and all of them are very different and provide different skill sets. And they're all in the same training environment week in, week out. It's just so interesting to watch you know, that natural ability shine through. Um, whether that's one person talks about soccer more than the others with his friends or family or, or they watch soccer more than their peers do. And, and there's something about the way they see the game that is just so much different. Um, and those are the intangibles that, you know, you, you just can't teach. And that's why you have an academy system because one year you're, you're high on a player and then, you know, this is how it works. It's football, it's a business. Next year you have to play those that are 
more fitting to the way that your club wants to play and and who are showing more quality. That's just how it goes, right? And so it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to see, you know, you feel for um, some of the other guys that probably aren't gonna get any more minutes because now a 16 year old has jumped into your role. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just really interesting to see and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see his progression uh, throughout the year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one to keep an eye on for me, I think yeah, he's, he's, he's got a future, a bright future. And if he continues on this path, um, stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, Brian Schmetzer will be here for an in-depth chat on all things Sounders so far this season and what else to look ahead to. So stay right there. We'll be back. This is Side by Side. I don't know where you're at, but you know, very. Can you go again, please? Yep. Oh, I I am delighted um, to say we're joined by obviously no stranger to myself or to Brad or to Keely or to any of you listening. Um, fresh off, again, you, you never want to quantify these wins, but one of the biggest and most impressive wins in club history has to be said well set up for the second leg. We'll talk to him about that. And then an indifferent start domestically in MLS. Um, one of the weirdest games I've been a part of as an announcer last weekend at Salt Lake. We'll get to that as well. We are joined by none other than coach Brian Schmetzer. And Schmetz, thanks for joining us. And the first thing I just want to ask is, because I didn't get a chance to speak to you since um, Tuesday night, just what are your thoughts now a couple of days removed from just how impressive that win was? It's a very good team. Yeah. Uh, is it one of the biggest in club history, Steve? I mean, thank you for that generous opening. Uh, you know, I think the team played very well, but you were involved in some big games. Brad was involved in big games. I mean, you know, I remember Jimmy Traore scoring a goal from 40 yards out against Tigres. We've had pretty good success. You know, Brad and I were reminiscing about Olympia and some of the trips we had to go on. Uh, but thank you for that. Yes, it was a, it was a big game, uh, Steve, probably because of the way we played. I mean, you alluded to it again in your, in your intro. You know, the, the, the regular season start in MLS hasn't been great. We've been poor. And, you know, to come back with a with a victory over a quality Leon side. That's a, that's a very good team. And, you know, really take it to them. Could have been, look, could have been four, could have been five, could have been, you know, a few more goals tacked on. Uh, I was impressed. I was, I was very proud of the resolve that the team showed under some, you know, difficult narratives running around in the soccer circles about the Seattle Sounders. Yeah, d difficult uh, circumstances, timing after a game, <laughs> Champions League games, and it, it can be uh, an interesting one. So first, talk about the emphasis the club has put on Champions League to start off this season. And will you take your lumps early on in an MLS season and, you know, now really focus on this uh, second game coming up next week 
Um, talk to us about the thought process. And, you know, I think the fans want to know most importantly what decisions are being made and why they're being made. It's a, it's a good question, Brad. You've been involved in many of those conversations or discussions with Zig and myself. Look, the mantra of the club, and this is not just coaches, bull, you know what, it's, it's actually true. We've always prided ourselves on, you know, going out and every game is important. Every competition is important. Yes, we kind of planted a fat flag that we wanted to be on, you know, that we wanted to be on, you know, the first team to win Champions League. And that's important to us. Uh, but look, the game against the Galaxy is the most important game because that's the next one. And you want to talk about, you know, player rotations against RSL. Yes, you are correct that we made some rotational changes in there. But the objective and the, the, the overall message from the coaching staff to the players is I don't care if you're Jackson Reagan. I don't care if you're, you know, Callan coming on. You know, I don't care if, you know, you're uh, Sam Adrenian, you know, Josh, Atencio, any of the young players. Your objective as a Seattle Sounder is to try and win games. And so there's a little bit of, you know, truth to the fact that we rotated players, but still we believe that whoever we put out there, they need to understand what is the culture of this club, how they're going to win games, how they're going to be better than their opponent. And it doesn't matter if your name isn't Raul Ruiz Diaz or Obafemi Martins or Steve Zakawani. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's a good company. Um, Coach, one of the names you put out there, and I wanna, I'm curious because you, you're on the pitch every day seeing these guys in training. You get to know them as people as well. Um, I'm curious your sort of your early assessment, your way too early assessment of Albert Rusnak so far. And I ask because of this. There's players that we watch throughout the years from other teams. These... Um, these um, He's um, always one that I watched and thought, you know, this guy's a very good player, um, Rosnak is. In the game against Salt Lake, he, he seems to be playing a little bit deep for me, where he, a lot of the balls received from the centre-back, and then it wasn't until the second half where he had, he had, I think, a couple of runs right at the heart of the defence, and suddenly he's like, oh, wow, I, I remember what this guy can do, and it all opened up, he found a couple of passes. Um, one, what are you guys asking him to do? And two, how much of your messaging is, I need you to be the Albert... Rusnak that we signed, don't worry about Jordan, Raul, Nico, accommodating them. They'll figure it out. Just be yourself. How much is that messaging of him feeling the freedom to be the same player he was in Salt Lake where he was able to run the show? Freedom's, freedom's actually a great way to start. Uh, you know, he had a lot of freedom in Salt Lake. I mean, he could pretty much run wherever he wanted to. Him and Demir Krylak were their two best players and they were free to roam and do and just be good soccer players. Here, he has that, that similar freedom, but not maybe as much because we have other players and it's a little bit, you know, the tactical structure is a little bit different. So I felt what happened with Albert in that RSL game, which I believe, again, is it, is it just it's a blip on the radar. It was one game. I think he was trying to do you know, a lot to help his new team win against his former team. 
And that might have pushed him back a little bit because he wanted to be on the ball. He wanted to get touches. He wanted to be involved in the game. Whereas I think what you saw against Lyon was, you know, JP and Obed, you know, doing that job from a little deeper position and finding Albert in the right spots that we wanted, a little higher up the field, where he could then turn and lay balls in and get our attacking movement started in the attacking half. I think it's still early. I think the expectations of the fans were, yes, he was the biggest free agent signing in league history. And certainly his statistical performance last year of 11 and 11 was very good. But look, we still have to get him on the field with Nico Ladero and Raul for a constant spell of games. He's doing really good stuff with us. Obviously he was good with Freddie the other night. I'm not worried. Uh, a quick piggyback off of that one. Uh, how long do you think until we see the best of, of, uh, of Rusnak? Um, it often takes, you know, it, it can take a player six, seven, eight, nine games, right? But your expectations as a coach are we're bringing in a DP to make an impact, right? So how long is that, you know, grace period before we have to start thinking, okay, does, is he better as a 10? Is he better out wide, right? Well, that's that again, he played as a, as a number 10 against Lyon. We had him as a little bit deeper number eight against RSL. He's played where Christian was playing uh, out of that right wing position. Uh, his preferred formation for RSL last year was actually where Jordan plays on that left wing, but he always pinched inside and kind of went all over. So Brad, we are searching for his best position within our group mm -hmm. and again I think it'll come back I think it'll come back to when Nico is here and we figure out how the two of them work and what areas of the field they work best I think that's what's gonna you know kind of give us that timeline. Um, Coach, talk about a couple of players who are fan favorites and our favorites as well. Um, I always think back to myself playing as a left winger, of course, you were coaching me at the time. Um, and I had pref I knew who was behind me because it changed how I would play. I knew, for example, Leo Gonzalez, I can tell him a million times, I don't need help, stay back. He's going to overlap every time. So I knew that a lot of time about either playing or I've got a dribble inside. Um, Mark Birch, Tyson Ward, they wanted to give me the ball and then let me attack the support from behind. Zach Scott would tell me, I don't want to have to cross the halfway line. You attack, I'll defend. We're good. Um, I say that because you have two supremely talented guys on the left-hand side, Jordan Morris and Nuhu. And I'm wondering, they're both great individually, but can they work as a pair? Sort of like how you had a few years ago, you had Brad Smith and Victor Rodriguez working so well together. Um, Jordan doesn't need help beating guys one-on-one. -on -one. Nuhu needs no invitation to go forward. So I'm wondering between those two, the timing, when to overlap, when to play the pass, when to go 2v1, when should Nuhu stay? Are those convos being had? And are you optimistic that they'll figure it out and become as dominant as they should be for how good they are individually? Uh, very good soccer coaching question. <clears throat> what I would layer into that is areas of the field. Okay, as well as kind of the whole dynamic between when you overlap, when you shouldn't. So <clears throat> Nuhu is very exciting player. The fans love it when he goes from, you know, maybe Steph Fry picks up the ball and Nuhu starts running and he's going down the field and the fans get excited. And Nuhu gets excited and, you know, it's all great. Higher up the field, Steve, you know very well that 
timing is everything, you know, when Jordan is taking his touch inside to really drive at that last opponent. And, you know, those little nuances they're working on in that attacking third of the field. I would say that it's a little bit, again, uh, they have to play a little bit more together because remember last year we played a completely different formation and knew who played a completely different position on the team. And it's going to take him a little bit of time to figure out what he was used to playing for us a few years ago. Now your, your perception of Leo and Tyson and Zach and Mark are all great examples. And would I think that Nuhu Tolo, who can lock down Mo Salah, would he just kind of be that sturdy rock behind Jordan and you let Jordan do his thing? Yes, I would think that would be good coaching. But again, soccer is more than just X's and O's and data and all that sort of stuff. Nuhu's personality has to come out in his play. And so we encourage in the right moments for him to try and overlap. It's just a question of, you know, can they, you know, figure it out? Yes, I have uh, faith in them. But again, it's, it's, it's a little early for Nuhu for me to be critical of him now. I just, you know, I'm like, I'm like any other fan. I love watching him play. It's yeah. entertaining. It's entertaining. It might, I might lose some hair, but, you know, it is entertaining. Um, let's talk about two other young players, um, Jackson, Reagan, uh, and, and Obed. Um, you know, my perception of Obed in that game is I was thinking as I was watching it on the couches, if a Mexican team is smart, they'll, they'll make a big bid for him because he looked better than any of the other midfielders on the other team, super high quality players. He's fantastic. Uh, the way that he reads the game and, and plays physically and, um, he just seems to get it as a young player. Uh, and then Jackson, you know, kind of a different route, right? We had, I remember him coming to trainings really young also, right? 16, 17 years old, but he made the jump to go to college and get his experience there. You know, he played a little bit with S2, um, but two different paths, but they've wound up in, in a similar situation where they're seeing a lot of playing time. You know, Andy Rose has said some high quality thoughts about, about Reagan, um, and I think as evident by his composure on the field in Salt Lake can be a high quality player, but talk about those two guys and, you know, kind of what they mean to the team right now. Yeah. I'll talk about Obed first. You know, I compared Obed to Christian a little bit in my post game presser, but he also reminds me a little bit of you, Brad. I think he has the engines like you had, you were able to get up and down the field and he's going to be goal dangerous. Now you see some of the times when he can dribble past guys and accelerate like you could, he just needs to get a little more confidence. And, you know, I think he's going to end up scoring some goals for us from a more central position. I don't think he's kind of like Christian out on the wing type effective. I thought you always had good years, kind of more central. You could play outside, but I enjoyed you more in the middle of the field. And that's where I think Ovid's heading. I think I see him as an eight, a true eight, middle of the field, engines up and down. The thing, Brad, I was most impressed with, with Ovid so far this year, is his calmness. It doesn't seem like the kid who's only 16. I mean, you know what it's like, again, playing in Central America. He started against Motagua in, in just, you know, in that stadium, heavy grass field, CONCACAF referees, 
you know, and he didn't look out of place. And then he plays against one of the best teams in Liga MX and he doesn't look out of place. And he's just calm on the ball and just his, his demeanor is so, you know, so steady. And, you know, coaches love steady players. When you put a player on the field, you know what he gets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with young players, you get highs and lows. And Obed, look, he's going to have some lows. Look, he's going he's gonna to crater or crash at some point. It's just inevitable. But right now, he's playing at a super high level. And then Jackson, yeah, I mean, Jackson would, would come to trainings and, you know, he was a little, you know, big and ox, awkward a little bit. Maybe he didn't grow into his body. And, you know, we keep asking him, okay, what, what, was, what were you like playing growing up in youth soccer? And he says, oh, I was, I was, I was a number 10. I, I always played in midfield. And you can see that in his passing. You know, he is an exceptional passer of the ball in the sense that his decision-making process to see the right pass and then his technical ability to find the right pass and deliver the right pass is very good. Now, the deal with Jackson is, again, Justin Merrim, that first one of those first plays in the game kind of, you know, kind of took Jackson by surprise. He needs to understand some of the players, some of the nuances, the speed of play in our league. If he can do that, Brad, he will be an exceptional center back for us for many years. I, I, real quick, Steve, uh, Justin went to Michigan also, so I'm sure that that was in the back of his mind, Justin's mind too. Like, hey, okay, yeah, we went to the same school, but let me show you what it's really like to play at this level. And uh-huh. like that. Um, coach, last one for me, and it's more of a coaching <clears throat> question. I know Brad is doing some coaching. I'm doing some coaching actually alongside James Riley. And I'm curious how for you, how you'd view this kind of situation. We had a game, my club team, um, down in Tacoma against a very good team. And one of those emotional games back and forth, we end up winning last minute 3-2 and we're going excited. And as everyone's celebrating, I realized that two of the kids, I didn't play. They didn't come into the game. So they're a little bit more dejected, a bit more to the side. And I had to leave the celebrations with the other 18 players who were ecstatic and go and manage these two and convince them that they're still part of my plans. I just couldn't get you in, et cetera. I preface that to ask you this, as you continue to grow as a coach as well, how are you finding managing a locker room? How do you keep everyone happy? One, is it possible? I don't know if it is. And two, the way you manage Ladero, Rodiaz, who know they're going to play unless something goes crazily wrong, to the way you manage maybe a big Sam, a Denarin, who doesn't expect to play is one way, but those guys in the bubble, those guys who can play, but don't always, how do you kind of keep the harmony in your squad and keep guys bought in who may not feel as much a part of big wins like the one you had on Tuesday? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different at every level. It's the same though, because it's just human interaction, right? So right now, Leo Chu hasn't found a lot of playing time and I got to, you know, put my arm around him a little bit. Some days I got to kick him in the rear a little bit because he has to work harder. Uh, There's one example. You know, I bring back some of the more challenging moments in my coaching career with Roman when we had Kim Kee-hee, Chad Marshall, and Roman. And then, you know, who was going to play? Which one of those three? And Roman would look at me and he'd stand up like this and he'd look down on me and Coach, I want to play. And I'm like, well, I think these guys are better. Right now they're playing better. You're going to play some games. I still need you. But you had to be truthful with them. And, you know, for the for the Latinx, Latinx, you know, culture, I mean, you have to be strong. As a jefe, you have to be strong. And, and there was that learning curve there. 
you know, I had other, you know, moments in my career having to choose between Andreas Ivanchitz and Nelson uh, Valdez in my first game as a head coach. One of them was starting. The other one was going to be on the bench. And those are two international stars. But you just have to be honest with them and you have to tell them how you feel. And this is the reason why. And soon you start to develop a little bit of trust with the player. If you're honest with them, players will see through you. Players will see through you if you're not honest with them or you're, they think you're telling them a line of, you know, baloney. Uh, so be honest. Uh, there are hard choices. And certainly, Steve, at my level, on your level, it's a little different because you have to make sure everybody plays. But at my level, look, this is a pro sport. And my job is to win games. And players might not agree with who I put out on the field, but, you know, they get it. I would say one last thing, you know, my mantra over the years with players who, you know, haven't been getting the playing time that they have thought they earned or deserved or their senior players. I've always said this because the team is always important. It's always about the team. So if you're upset at the coach because you're not involved in the game on a Saturday, make sure that you understand who you're angry with. Don't come on a Tuesday first training day back and just mail it in because I'm pissed at coach Schmetzer. He didn't put me in. You're actually hurting your teammates. You're not hurting me as a coach. You're actually hurting your teammates. And so I would tell players that, look, okay, we don't see eye to eye on everything. It's okay. We're, we're, we're okay. We had good communication, but I still see it one way. You see it another. Do what you have to do to keep yourself fit and sharp because I might need you. The team needs you. And then at the end of the year, if you're really that unhappy, then let's talk about it at the end of the season. Do not get upset during the middle of the year where it actually impacts your team and your teammates. Was, was, was Clint Dempsey the toughest convo in terms of that? Because he was reaching the end of his career. Would have loved to see him go out as a super sub, come on, get a goal here or there. But I don't think the way Clint's brain works, he could ever accept that you know, Harry Shear or whoever should start ahead of him. So was that a tough convo just to explain, look, Clint, you're one of the best players ever, but you're 36, 35, you can't run as much anymore. We'd rather use you in limited minutes. How tough of a combo is that of a player? That that was, you know, that, and I'm going to throw another name out there, Zach, you know, in at the end of the day, he was such a fierce competitor. Clint was such a fierce competitor. You know, I can tell two stories. <clears throat> the Clint one is, yes, it was challenging. I mean, it, it, we had had the buildup for the 2018 World Cup. He was going to go and it was going to, you know, U.S. was going to go in June to the World Cup. Brad, you were kind of involved in that. And then he was going to come back to Seattle and it was his swan song. He was going to retire and we just, you know, play out as the rest of his career. And then the U.S. never won the World Cup. And then he was kind of upset about some of that. And then, you know, the team wasn't playing well and I didn't start him in some games. And yeah, those were challenging conversations for sure. I mean, why am I not starting in front of Harry Ship? I mean, no, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. No, Clint, actually, yeah, you, you're, you're super good and super talented. But right now, for the good of the team, this is how I see it. And he obviously disagreed and we, you know, came to an understanding and Zach was another funny one because remember in 2016, 
you know, Ramon had gone away to a international break window and Zach came on and started in that series against Dallas and Zach was lights out. He was great. And, you know, he was, he was very, very good in that series. And then Ramon came back and I had to have a hard conversation with Zach. And I said, look, Zach, Ramon's coming. He was, he was upset. I, I played well. I, you know, I, I waited my time. I said, well, no, unfortunately I'm going to play Ramon. And then the, the, the final, that day of the final, uh, when we we're kind of talking about things and I was talking to Zach and he goes, if you put me in the game just as for five minutes, just as a courtesy and just for, for no reason, I'm, I'm never going to speak to you ever again. <laughs> a couple of swear words in there as well. And I said, Zach, no, I'm going to put you on the field when we're winning and we're going to have to close out the game, but I'm not going to do it as some ceremonial send off to your retirement because he would have, and Zach's very strong. He would have killed me. <laughs> Um, uh, Keely, I think we have a couple questions from online. Did you pull yes, those? Yes, we do. Uh, did I pull those? Of course I pulled those questions. Uh, yeah, coach, we've got a couple questions from fans. One of them you kind of already answered, which is about managing minutes. So, um, I'll move on to the next one. This is from JP and his title or his, uh, handle is maximum Dorcas, which is awesome. Uh, his question is, does coach want anything special at the new training facility? For example, in-house barista, spa, pickleball facility, et cetera. You know, that that's interesting because when we were down in Palm Springs at the, at the, at the preseason start of preseason, the hotel that we stayed at had a pickleball court and all of the guys started to get into pickleball. And then the galaxy was staying in the same hotel. And so our staff would play against the galaxy staff and it turned into this really kind of cool little, you know, fun competitive game and sports take their mind. You guys know what it's like in preseason, you got time to kill. So that turned out actually well. <clears throat> so pickleball is an interesting one. Good coffee has to be there for sure. That's probably number one on my list. Freddie is already, already talking to Adrian to get, you know, Santos coffee in there. Um, what else would we like? I mean, you know, it's going to be a great facility. We're super excited about it. Um, you know, the gym, the fields, everything. I mean, that's, that's such a big step forward for us. I mean, Starfire has been great to us. You know, we've had plenty of memories about Starfire, but it's time. So we're all excited about it. Awesome. All right. Next question is from Dave Montgomery and he asks, what's a favorite memory playing with the Tacoma stars or being a player coach with the Tacoma stars? Uh, man, there was, there was a lot of good ones. Um, you know, the, the, the only, the only real, well, you want soccer story or life story? How about that? Oh, soccer let's do both. Let's do both. Um, soccer story was one of my buddies, you know, that I grew up with playing, had a, you know, had a very small, very small, uh, you know, career in, in, in indoor soccer. And he knew that he wasn't really fit for it. So we're playing indoor and, you know, they have the glass and everything. And he would, he didn't agree with the coach and all that. And so he kind of had somebody get him a hot dog and a Coke 
during the game because he was just hit the bench. And so he reached over the glass and handed, you know, this guy a hot dog and a Coke. And uh, the coach at the time just looked at, looked at my buddy and go, you're done. You're out. And <laughs> it was already done. I mean, it was already like already, already, he already retired. Um, the stars were pretty good when we were with San Diego. So there was a lot of games when I was with San Diego that, that, that was, that was big, you know, playing with Precky was always a good, you know, that was a good relationship. It, you know, it lasted till now. I mean, that was back in the eighties, late eighties. So that's always been good. But, you know, it, sometimes it's about life. And we had we had a bunch of young soccer players that didn't make a lot of money back in the time. And, you know, there was one guy that I had, you know, been in the construction business and I hired him to do some painting for me uh, when he was done with practice just to make extra money because we weren't paying guys a ton of dough. And so he came to practice one day with paint on his shoes. And Alan Hinton was a coach at the time. And Alan's, Alan's going to Dickie. He's like going, Dickie, Dickie, what are you doing? You got paint on your shoes. You're supposed to be a professional soccer player. You shouldn't have paint on your shoes. What are you doing? What are you doing? And Dickie goes, well, I'm painting houses for Brian Schmetzer. And so then Alan get, has a go at me in front of everybody. He goes, you shouldn't be teaching those young guys how to paint houses. They're professional soccer players. And, you know, on and on. And, you know, that started a good relationship with Dick and, you know, we, did some real estate stuff on the side. And, you know, those are just good stories about people. I mean, the Northwest is full of good people, Keely. You know, Steve's made a home here, Brad making a home here. I mean, soccer connects all of us. You know, it, it, it's the Sounders have connected a lot of us, the Stars, yes. But, you know, just overall, we're, we're blessed to live in a great part of the world with great people. Well said, coach, well said. And hello to my dog. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, you ask, that's the question? <clears throat> yep, that's it for questions. I actually have one question, and this is for all of you guys. What the heck do you do during a two-hour rain delay? That's a great question. I can't believe we didn't ask that. Yeah. What I mean, the we, heck do you do? We were struggling just in the TV booth. I don't know how it was for you guys out there. I mean, we were struggling too. Steve. <laughs> we, the, the only the only saving grace to that was the Galaxy versus Charlotte was on TV. And so the guys were all in the locker room just watching that game. And, you know, we as coaches were, you know, trying to figure out how we keep them loose. And everybody took their boots off, their shirts off. You know, they're just laying around, you know, took their socks off because it was wet and cold. And then they had to get warmed up again. And that was painful. And then we had the, you know, the two and a half minutes of the first half and then a five minute break. And, you know, it just turned into a disaster. Coach, always a pleasure. Really appreciate your time. Um, again, congrats on a big win in midweek and all the best this weekend against the Galaxy. And welcome back. Thanks again, Brian Schmetzer, of course, a friend of ours and, you know, um, one of the nicest people you meet in the sport and, of course, doing a great job as a Sounders head coach. His next challenge is against the Galaxy this weekend. Um, a decent team, of course, with Chicharito and Douglas Costa. And with that in mind, we're going to go to some over and under for this game. All right, over under trivia edition. So no cheating, no Googling, no, you know, none of that stuff. 
Wow. Uh, first one, total regular season wins versus LA Galaxy. How many total regular season wins do we have against the LA Galaxy? Over, under 10.5. Under. 10 times? Under. 11 times, guys. Just oh. over. All right, next one. Steve Zakawani, regular season goals plus assists versus the LA Galaxy. Regular season only. Regular season only, no playoffs. Uh, Whoa, uh, what is this? Say it again. Uh, Steve Zakawani, regular season goals and assists versus the Galaxy. He has six starts versus them in regular season. Regular season, not playoffs. So I'll say this, and Brad, remember, in 09, you beat them. Brad assisted me. Um, you ran for Gus Bellhalter, and I was in the back post to escort, so that's one. I think. The second time I played them, I assisted Jayqua or someone. I think I scored against them the next year. We lost 3-1. That might be it, but in this playoff as well, but that's not count. Okay. Steve, you're right. You got it. So there you go. I remember. You got it right. <laughs> I'm not even gonna, we're gonna take the mystery out of it. You got it right. He knows his career like over. nothing else. <laughs> uh, it is over two point. I had the over under at 2.5. It was three, just like he calculated. I am very impressed. All right, last one is Brad Evans, total regular season games played versus LA Galaxy in his career. How many times, Brad, did you play against the Galaxy in the regular season? Over under 17.5. Oh, oh, 17, his whole career? Yes, including with Columbus. Um, with Seattle, Brad would have played LA at least 10. I would say. I want to say, I know, it's going to, I know it's going to be over. My guess is going to be 15. I know, I know it's going to be over, but I'm going to go 15. Brad? Oh, I said over. Over? It is over. You have 19 games played against wow. them, 16 starts. 16 okay. starts. Those are your over-unders. Uh, thanks for playing again. And Steve, I still cannot believe how well you know your career. That is... I remember very every, impressive. <laughs> I don't know why. It was always that way. Every, even Photographic college. memory? Like, I'm, even, I'm uh, impressed. Even every college game. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. All right. Sounders, Galaxy, Key, let me put you on the spot. Broadcast info. Yes, it's on Big Fox at 1230. Kickoff oh, is 1255. Guys. We are on 1090 KJR on the radio. Okay. I, I want to, um, and the fans will hear this, but Steve, Keely, what are your thoughts on auctioning off a, a fan guest spot on the podcast? Even when we bring on guests, they can ask questions and hang out with us, and then the money can go wherever we decided to go, Ray Foundation or whatever. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Amazing. Let's do right. it. Let's Look do out it. For it. Yeah, brilliant. Keep an eye out. That's Good great. stuff. Yeah. I'm excited. Holy fun. Yeah. Big Fox, 12.30, 12.55, kickoff this Saturday. Um, good stuff. All right, we'll be back next week. And could be, we don't know yet, we'll communicate for you. Could be not at a regular slot because you might want to preview um, this Leon game coming up properly. Um, the second leg, which is next Thursday, I believe. Um, Sounds against Leon. Interesting week, a defeat, then a big bounce back win in CCL. Chance to end it well by picking up the first MLS win at home to Galaxy. We'll see if they do it. And regardless of what happens, we'll be back here next week to talk about it. This has been Side by Side. See you guys next week.